Hey, 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 skiers. It is Greg, the Ski Physical Therapist, back with another really good episode of the Legacy Podcast. And on today, I have a very, very special guest. Glenda is joining us. She is in her 80s, and she has been skiing since high school. And you know what they say, with age comes a ton of wisdom. And today she's going to share how she has been ski instructing as a part of PSIA, some tips for aging adults as they try and continue to ski and stay healthy, and just general advice for the mountain. So let's give her a warm welcome to the show. Hi, Glenda. Welcome to the podcast. Super excited to have you on today. Um, For everyone, Glenda is joining us, and she's been a skier for a long, long, long time. But I want to just have her kind of have the opportunity to share her story. Um, And first off, Glenda, why don't you just first start by introducing yourself and kind of let us know when skiing started for you. Oh, okay. Well, thanks, Greg. It's a delight to get to visit with you today. I said, uh, I'm a mom, a grandmother, and a great-grandmother. I am a registered nurse by profession, and I am board certified in infection prevention graduated from the University of Washington with a degree, a Bachelor of Science degree in nursing. Uh, most of my work has been in acute care hospital uh, facilities. I have retired twice from uh, Peace Health to St. John's Medical Center in Longview and from Swedish Medical Center in Seattle. My husband, Bob, and I celebrated our 50th wedding anniversary before he died unexpectedly in 2010. I'm a life member Girl Scout and was a Girl Scout leader and a Cub Scout leader for many, many years. I still work as an active volunteer in the community and in my medical professions. And I still work as a camp nurse at Canoe Island French Camp in the Washington San Juans and as a ski instructor at White Pass in the Kids Clinic program. I guess I started skiing actually for the very first time when I was in high school. Two of my neighbor friends invited me to go to Vancouver and joined the ski bus that went to Mount Hood to government camp. And so that was the first time I ever had a ski lesson. And at the end of that year, that season, I ended up learning how to turn both ways and stop. And that was about the sum total of my skiing on a very gentle slope. But I really liked the sport and it was fun. Back when you first went skiing, was there a chairlift at government camp? Was it a rope tow? How was it set up? Do you remember? Oh, yes, I do. We were on a rope tow. And we had uh, long skis and long thong bindings and lace-up boots. But did you ever have any injuries from the lace-up boots yourself? Uh, no, I didn't. And they oh. actually fit quite nicely. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, you, yeah, got, yeah. you must have got very lucky then. <laughs> what, were, what were the skis made out of when you first started skiing back in the day? Oh, they were wood. And they, you know, and my parents didn't know anything about skiing. So when I look back on it, I think they bought me a pair of Norwegian skis, thinking that Norwegians were good skiers. And I believe they were actually designed as cross-country skis instead of downhill skis. But I didn't know the difference. And so I used them. I did actually get my first pair of metal edge, edge skis when that were still made out of wood when I was in college. And did you immediately notice any changes between wood skis and metal skis? Oh, yes, I did. Well, the skis were still wood, but they had metal edges on them. So, yeah, yeah. You know, and then we also had kind of a, the first cable binding came out so that we actually had a different binding on our boots. We st- They still didn't release, but they were a cable. So they were easier to put on and take off. Um, okay. Well, my next question is then, what do you like most about skiing that has kept you coming back to it year after year? 
Oh, I like being outdoors and I love the mountains. Uh, it's the beauty in nature, the amazing scenery, the fresh air, the feeling of freedom as you're floating down the slopes and the friends that I've met over the many, many years that I've been in the mountains. Mm, so, do you have a favorite place that you like to go ski out of like all the places you've been to? Well, my family home area is White Pass and it's still a nice family area and it still has absolutely gorgeous mountains and wonderful terrain. Mm. Yeah, I have not been out to White Pass, but I think we were talking earlier and that's definitely a place um, that I'm that I'm looking at getting forward to and, and visiting. So I understand you're a PSIA instructor, is that right? That is correct, yes. And how long have you been with them for? I think, well, I've been, it's been more than 40 years that I've been with PSIA. I have been a ski instructor longer than that, because, but I didn't join when I first started teaching because I wasn't exactly sure how to do it. What, what do you think was the thing that motivated you to keep coming back year after year and trying to get better at instructing or wanting to teach? Oh, well, wanting to teach came totally by accident. Um, that was when I was riding the Thursday ski bus out of Lower Columbia College in Longview. And we would go up and part of the package deal was that you got uh, lessons within in addition to your lift ticket. So everybody took a lesson in the morning and then we all skied for fun in the afternoon. And it was one winter on my very first day up in January when after my morning lesson, the instructor asked me if I had ever thought about teaching skiing. And I said, well, well, I had, but I hadn't really done anything about it. And he said, well, we are super short of midweek instructors, the ski school directors over here, you need to go meet him. And so I went over and I introduced myself to the ski instructor and told him that I was interested in possibly doing it. And I got hired immediately and had my first lesson on how to teach skiing that afternoon. And I had my first class the next Thursday. So I just kind of fell into it by accident and I've loved it ever since. And I had a very good friend, Gary Carter, who was a PSI uh, instructor, clinician, and examiner, who was a really good friend. He was teaching at Mount Hood, and I was up at White Pass, but I knew that he was certified, and I knew that there was a professional organization. And Gary is the one that helped me find PSIA and helped me get registered. What would you say is like one of the best benefits of joining PSIA, even if you're not planning on being an instructor? Oh, it's the, well, the benefits of their clinics are amazing. Uh, they have a number of clinics and workshops and mini academies. And the uh, experience that you can have with that, with those uh, opportunities are endless. And it is a great fun bunch of people that love to be outside. That's amazing. That's amazing. And I'm sure you probably made a ton of uh, connections through PSIA as well. Is that right? That is correct. Yes. I know you've been skiing for a very long time. Um, and as someone that has been able to ski for that long, I'm sure maybe you've had some injuries along the way or maybe some, well, you had kids, so I would consider that um, a, a big endeavor to take on. But what would you say are the biggest challenges for trying to ski for as long as you have? Well, the, the couple biggest challenges that I thought of are finding the time to do it between work and family uh, schedules. And driving to the mountains, the closest place that I have is two hours and 15 minutes one way if the roads are good. And, you know, and so it's the time that takes to get there and to come back home. And then in financing the sport, it's, you know, 
especially when everybody in your family wants to ski. And I have five children, you know, plus a husband. And you start adding up lift tickets and then everybody outgrows their equipment and they outgrow their clothes. And you have to start all over, you know, trying to make it all happen. It can be an expensive sport. And so that was one reason I started teaching because I was looking for a more economical way to keep the whole family skiing. Oh, that's actually really interesting. Um, that's like one of the ways I actually started to get really into skiing. I had gone with my family when I was younger as well, but in high school, I had an opportunity to teach kids that were in elementary school. And like you were saying, the clinics that you get are invaluable to taking your like skills to the next level, especially if you're an intermediate uh, level skier, they kind of um, piece apart your technique. And that's how, that's how I was able to ski on a budget, but also be able to go to the mountain. So that's really cool that you kind of um, had the the same uh, upbringing too with your family that brought you into the sport. Right. What about um, any injury history? Has has that ever riddled you at all? Well, I did have one uh, injuries ten years ago, and that was a snowboarder uh, basically ran into me and knocked me over. And then I probably would have been okay, but he fell on top of me, and he was a rather large gentleman. And he pushed my left shoulder into the snow, which ended up getting a fracture dislocation of my humerus and my left arm. So it was a, a, a substantial injury, and it did end my skiing for that season. But luckily, the physician was able to pop it back into place in the emergency department in Yakima, and physical therapy got me back in shape. What would you say during that time was maybe one of the biggest challenges of the rehab process? Uh, it takes time and it takes dedication and the willingness to do the exercises on a consistent basis. And, Did you? Oh, go ahead. Keep going. Yeah. Well, and I was going to say when I actually, my insurance finished, I mean, ran out, I wasn't to the point that I was happy with. I still had uh, limitations in my range of motion. And so I was able to privately pay to continue with the physical therapist so that I could get full range of motion back. Yeah, I think that's a really important point. You know, our healthcare system in America, unfortunately, doesn't get you fully back to activity a lot of the times and you get cut short. But if you have the finances and the, and the financial means to be able to continue, I would highly recommend it, especially making sure that you get into someone that knows what they're doing and they can fully get you to that end level. Yeah, physical therapy was wonderful. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, so over the years, the equipment has progressed a ton. You went from skiing in lace boots to hard boots to bindings that click in. What have you noticed over the years? How has that changed your skiing at all? Well, the shorter shaped skis have made it a whole lot easier to ski. Uh, you, it takes uh, less effort to, uh, you know, start and initiate your turns and to um, feel comfortable on the snow. I mean, and the safety, the safety features that are built into the new equipment with the bindings that release, the boots that fit better, um, the skis that actually perform better in a variety of different conditions has really improved the safety of the entire sport. For someone that is an aging adult that used to be really into skiing, but maybe they're fearful of doing it because they don't want to get hurt, do you have any advice for them? Oh, sure. One is 
you don't have to go to the top of the mountain, especially on your first day. If you're an older adult and want to start skiing, the oldest people I've had in lessons were two gentlemen that turned 65 and retired, and they took up skiing and gourmet cooking. And I had another lady that came with a bunch of her friends, and she was either 65 or 68. I don't remember what her exact age was. But her comment to me on the first day was, I don't even know why I'm here. And then she said, oh, yes, I do. My friends talked me into this. And so I said, you're not going to the top of the mountain. We're staying down here on the flats. And that put her mind at ease. And so we worked out for basically a couple days on the flats before we ever went up on the lift. And she had such a wonderful time that she was able to see the intermediate runs uh, on the mountain by the end of the season. And she had a lovely time and was able to be with her friends. So it doesn't matter if you're a brand new beginning skier and are a little bit older, or if you are an, an, you know, a basically an intermediate or advanced skier and the years are ticking by, you can still have a wonderful time. I mean, you start out with a positive attitude and reasonable expectations, and you get good professional advice on your equipment and take lessons from an area instructor. Don't take lessons from a family member, especially if they're a boyfriend, a girlfriend, or a husband or a wife. I mean, that is a disaster in the making. So if for beginning skier, you're going to start on gentle terrain and it's good and you will progress as your comfort level increases and progresses. And then you can advance to longer runs and steeper terrain. And if you're an older adult and would like to make progress in your skiing, uh, you can get an instructor that can give you some helpful hints that would be uh, help you to maybe ski longer and not get so tired. And maybe you need to start getting carb turns a little bit instead of trying to do dynamic carb turns. And there's a number of ways that you can do that. So, and the other thing that I like to do for anybody is when you uh, are coming down the hill, pick a skier that's in front of you and you like the what they're doing and you try to copy it. You sink ski with them. You're not right on their tails. You're up the hill a little ways, but you fix somebody, pick them out and say, I like what they're doing. And so when they turn, you turn and, and you can kind of sink ski down the hill with them, copying what they're doing. The other thing that helps is that when you're riding the chairlift, watch the skiers coming down the hill, find the ones that you think are doing a nice job and see how they're doing it. You know, when do they start their turn? Where do they place their hands? How do they finish a turn? You know, basically, what are their skis doing? And you can learn a lot just by watching and then try to copy that when you're coming down the hill. I love that. Honestly, skiing is such a cool sport and activity that I feel like no matter what age you are, or what skill you're at, there's always margin to improve in the sport. And there's always someone doing something better than you at the sport than you're doing it. So that's, well, that's what I love right. about it. And uh, yeah, I had one dad ask me when I was teaching a, uh, his daughter a, a beginning lesson. And he came up to me at the end of the lesson. He said, okay, now is she all done with her lessons? And is she ready to go? And I said, well, that's basically up to you. But I said, if you remember, the Olympic athletes still have coaches and they still take lessons. So even though they're an elite, uh, class, they are. They still have a coach. Absolutely. So you can always learn something new and you can always learn a new trick. Absolutely. I love that. I love that.
I want to take a short break in the episode to let you know about my Facebook group, Ski Habilitation. Ski Habilitation is a group I designed for injured skiers to ask questions and find support from others who have gone through the rehab process and successfully gotten back to the ski hill. I know how mentally challenging the rehab process can be, and I wish I had others around me to encourage me and help answer questions when I had my season-ending injury. It is my goal to help you stay injury-free so you can ski until you're 100, so come join the Ski Habilitation today and find out how others are setting themselves up to accomplish this. You can search for the Ski Habilitation Group on Facebook or click the link in the show notes. Thanks for your support of the Legacy Podcast. Now let's get back to the show. What has been your success for being able to ski as many years as you have? One is, I guess, try to stay reasonably in shape, you know, active, you know, when you are in the off season. Take lessons. You can always learn something new. Um, learn to read the, the common weather patterns and the snow conditions that are in the mountains. The weather and snow conditions can change very quickly. The clouds and the fog can roll in, making the for flat light or poor visibility. A run that was excellent, you know, basically excellent may totally change in a short period of time and turn into a sheet of ice. Uh, I've had that happen to me. If the conditions get really bad, come off the mountain. There's always going to be another day that you can ski. So you want to be safe. You want to have fun. And just remember to smile. Oh, man, that is really good advice. Honestly, there was one time I had been going down this run over and over all season, and I knew it was groomed every single time. So I was pulling way too much speed than I should have been going through. And the next week, you know, I just assumed it was going to be the exact same. And there were probably three to four foot high moguls there. And I was going at such a high velocity that there was no way I was going to stop in time. And uh, I got bucked right off of my skis. But like you're saying, make sure you're looking at the conditions because things can change very, very quickly on the mountain. And I learned my lesson really quickly that day. Yeah, well, not only can they change on that day, you know, you know, from week to week, but they can also change. We're in the Pacific Northwest and the weather changes on it you know, very rapidly. And so it can change on the same day. So the run that was really great in the morning might be absolutely terrible in the afternoon. Um, so over the many years, do you have a favorite memory from skiing? Yeah, I have a number of favorite memories. And so I, the, the ones that I thought about is our family ski vacations that we used to do on spring break every year to Mount Bachelor. My kids told me many, many years later that those were the some of the most fun family vacations that we had had. And they really enjoyed that. Um, my daughter and I, oh, oh, and then one time when the kids were younger, we took the train trip to um, Whitefish, Montana and skied Big Mountain. And we spent the week over there on spring ba- break skiing Big Mountain. And that was really fun. Um, my daughter and I took a trip to Switzerland when she was in college. And we skied in Edelboden and Zermatt. And that has very happy memories. And then I do have PSI Northwest workshops, the spring symposiums and summer race camps. One time, one of the instructors at White Pass said, Glenda, you need to go to the race camp up at Mount Hood in July. I said, why would I go to race camp? I don't like to ski fast. I'm not a racer and I don't really like to ski the gates. They said, because it is super fun and you can do wedge turns around feather dusters. And I said, well, I can do a wedge turn around a feather duster. 
So I went up to try out race camp because I was trying to work on improving my skiing so that I could take the certification exam. And I had so much fun up at that race camp at Mount Hood. I went back for nine years in a row. And it was something totally different. You're taking off in July with skis on top of your car. And everybody thinks you're absolutely nuts. And you're heading for the Palmer Glacier at Timberline. So it's a very unique experience. And you ski in the morning because by 12 or 12.30, the snow gets so soft and mushy, you have to get off the hill. And everybody basically slips their lane because if you don't clean up your lane, you get to come back on the crud the next day that is now frozen solid because it freezes at night. So you take good care of the lane that you get for your, you know, your workshop. And you're up there with uh, a lot of elite athletes. We were up there with race teams from different countries that were all training. And so we get to talk to some of the Olympic athletes from the U.S. or from Canada or from Norway or or the Asian countries. And so, you know, it's really fun. Glenda, I want to go back to one of the things that you were talking about, and it was some of your memories with your family. And I just love how you like highlighted those things, because honestly, some of my favorite memories are going on trips with my family when I was younger as well. And that's like really what I want to just promote for the skiing community. It's like, if you can have this longevity in skiing and you can take care of your body, then you can afford your body the opportunity to have these memories with your family. And those are things that I'm sure your daughter's going to remember for a lifetime. And I'm sure you remember for a lifetime. And just having those unforgettable experiences are so worth it when you have the opportunity. You know, I think our life, we we work so hard to, to save for what? And when you have the opportunity to spend money and really spend time with the ones that you love, but doing something you both love mutually together, I think it can be really, really special. So that's so cool that you've had the chance to do that. Oh, it's wonderful. In fact, I have the picture from Zermont hanging on the wall right that I, here by my desk where the Matterhorn is behind us and we're with the St. Bernard. So, you know, it, those are really, really fun memories. And my kids have all loved it. My, my children ski, my grandchildren ski, and now I have two great grandchildren that are also skiing. So, oh my goodness, that's so fun. So have you gone on ski trips with your great grandkids before then? But they spend the every other weekend with me at White Pass. So yeah. That is so special. How how old are your great grandkids? Uh one of them is 13 and the other one is 10. In fact, the one that is just turned 13 uh, wants to try out as a cadet at White Pass next year for the kids clinic program or for the ski school, you know. Oh my gosh, that is so phenomenal. So you have four generations of you guys skiing around. That is so fun. We have four generations that have been in kids clinic at White Pass in my family. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. Right. So Glenda, what is on like the future horizon for you? I know you're definitely going to continue to ski, but do you have any like exciting trips planned? Like anything like when you turn 90, do you want to accomplish anything big or go ski anywhere big on your 90th birthday? Well, I hadn't really thought about that far ahead, but, you know, I do want to keep on skiing. I do, if I'm healthy enough to do it, and I absolutely love the sport, you know, and it is so much fun to be able to do it with my friends and my family. I did ski in New Zealand one year in July, I mean, in August. So that's so cool. Yeah, I was down there for a conference, and I thought, you know, I'm taking my I didn't take my skis. What I do is and when we went to Switzerland, the same thing. I take my boot liners with me, my footbeds and the boot, you know, the, and then I just rent skis and boots. When I was there, I thought 
I got to try skiing if there's any place to do that. And there was actually, I had the option of going four different areas. And when I talked to the concierge at the hotel, they said, well, do, are you sort of an okay skier? And I said, well, I'm an instructor. And they said, oh, well, then this is the mountain where you want to go. And they told me where it was, where to rent my gear. And so I took off one day and I went skiing in New Zealand. Is there a particular run that you've had, like the best run that you can think of in the past? Yes, there is one that pops into my head. And that was at one of the PSI mini academies at Crystal Mountain. And it was in March. I was working on my skiing skills so that I could try and take the Alpine Level 2 exam. And Mike Norton was my clinic leader, who was also an examiner. And so, and he knew that I was working to improve my skiing skills for the exam. And so we, and that's a three-day thing. And so we were standing on the third morning of the third day. We stood at the top of the, I believe the run was called Icicle Gulch. And it was nothing but a massive mogul run that was really, really long. And we stood at the top of that. He looked at me and he said, Glenda, this is your mountain, go for it. And I took off and made a zipper line right down through that mogul field. And when he got down to the bottom of me, he said, if you were an exam, that's a number nine, which was a perfect score. Yeah. So yeah. Cool. That was my all-time favorite mogul run. I mean, that's the best I've ever skied moguls in my entire life. Okay. So, Glenda, if someone is thinking about maybe going for a PSIA examination and they want to do that, what advice would you have for them? Well, my advice would be to find a mentor or somebody that, you know, you can work with, you know, participate in the PSIA clinics and go to different locations so that you get to ski different mountains, work with different instructors and clinic leaders. And when you're there, tell, no matter what the clinic topic is, tell the instructor that you are working with that you are trying to improve your skills to, to successfully pass one of the exams. And, you know, whether it be teaching technical or free skiing, tell them that that's what you are working on. And you would like to have their constructive comments and feedback, you know, at the end of that session. And then ask them if they think that you might be ready to take the exam. And if you get the answer, yes, then say your prayers, gather up your courage and go for it. So and if you fail, try again. You know, you may not pass the first time. And I didn't pass the first time. But I thought, I'm not going to, you know, let these guys get the best of me. I'm going back. I'm going to work hard and I'm going to go back. And when I failed, uh, Mike Norton happened to have been one of the examiners at that one. He wasn't my examiner, but he was one of them. And he asked me how I did. And I said, well, I did reasonably okay, but I, I failed the free skiing part. And he said, let me see your scorecard. So I gave him my scorecard and his comment was, they failed you on that. And I said, apparently they did. He said, I could fix that in half a day. I said, okay, Mike, I'm going to take you up on it. And that's when I met him later at Crystal from that academy. And I said, here's my scorecard. You got three days to fix this and see if you can do it. And that's when I had my magnificent mogul run. So then I went for my exam and I passed. Glenda, if someone wanted to take a lesson with you in the future, what would be like the best way that they can get in contact with you or get in contact with your ski school to sign up with that? Well, they could contact White Pass, they could contact the ski school if they want to, or they could contact me personally. All right. Well, what I'll do then is I will put your email, if that's okay with you, in the show notes. And then I'll also link your ski school 
and all of that information too. So if they specifically want to work with you and they're maybe at White Pass or they're going to be traveling to White Pass, um, they can get a phenomenal instructor that's been on the podcast. That would be fun. That would be fun. Awesome. Well, Glenda, I think that's all the questions I wanted to ask today, but thank you so much for the time and for coming on the Legacy Podcast. I hope that we can get some turns in this year together. Hopefully I can make a trip out to White Pass because I've never skied there before. But yeah, I'm just looking forward to it. That would be fun. Well, it's been an honor and a privilege to be a part of your podcast program. So thank you for the invitation. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Legacy Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, please share this podcast with your ski community and follow it so you don't miss another episode. Also, if you have a cool story and would like to be featured on the podcast, please reach out to the team. Lastly, if you're interested in working with me, you can book a strategy call at www.meettheskipt.com where I'll help you figure out the next best steps to keep you moving towards your journey of a lifetime of skiing.